Hey, Graham. Hey, David. I got a joke for you. Would you like oh, to hear it? Go ahead. Uh, okay, so this is this is this is how it goes. I think you're I think you're going to be into this one. So it goes like this: How much does it cost a pirate to get his ears pierced? Did you know pirates pierce their ears? Yeah. Yeah, those big. Hoop- yeah. Do you know how much it costs them to get their ears pierced? How much? About a buccaneer. Oh, that is good. A buccaneer. Ooh, that's a good one. I'm right. cheering inside. Yeah, they're moving up. We're going to give this one a 6.2. Mm. I like that one. That's a good one. Well, but, do, you have, do you have a good joke? Yes. What do you call a tiger with no eyes? An eyeless tiger? A tiger. <laughs> <laughs> Where'd you hear that one? Rowan sent it to me, my son. <laughs> I was like, I need a joke, quick. <laughs> he, thought, he either looked one up or 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 made it up. I don't know. A tiger. Yeah. All right. I'm gonna give. I'm gonna give that one. Um, see, I'm a, it's a conundrum because you were nice and gave me a six, six and a half. What'd you say? Six. Six point two. Six point two, and that was very nice. But you have been petty with me before, so do I go like six point one? Um, but then if it's Rowan's joke, then I would feel bad for giving it a bad score. Yeah. So. It, it, since it's your birthday today when we're recording, I'm going to go 6.2 as well. I feel like that's a fair, wow. a fair decision. Happy birthday, by the way. What a gift. And that's all you're getting this year. so That's fine. I, I like it. Well, enough of the nonsense. Let's get on with the nonsense. Let's- Welcome back to Withy Windle, a whimsical interactive show for kids who love stories, words, and grown-worthy jokes featuring your favorite authors and illustrators. It's part book club, part game show, and it's your weekly adventure through the wild world of wordplay. I'm David Kern. And I'm Graham Pittman. And today is Graham Pittman's birthday. Well, not today if you're listening to this when it comes out on Friday, but today if you're listening to it when we recorded it on Monday, July 19th. Graham, happy 72nd birthday. Thank you very much. I feel uh, very young for my age, and I think I look pretty good too. (laughs) You do look pretty good for a (laughs) 72-year-old. And for my birthday, I decided not to come into the uh, studio to record with you. I decided to stay home. That's true. You did. So, so we're not in the same place, which means that snack time is going to be a little bit different, but it is your birthday. So what was your birthday snack? Like, what did you have? Did you have cake? Uh, what did you do had, for your birthday? I had pie, but it wasn't pigeon. Uh, well, I that had, was a missed opportunity. I know. I had two kinds of pie. I had chocolate pie and I had key lime pie. Mm. So you're a pie guy, huh? I like cake as well. It just happened this year that one of the things we're doing uh, as a family, is trying to eat every kind of fruit pie this summer. So you so, ate chocolate pie. <laughs> so we, no, the lime, the key lime. Oh, oh okay. Yeah. So you know, you, you know how you know how we ask questions of our guests. We do things like, for example, are you a Cheetos or Doritos guy? Yeah. Well, I thought since it's your birthday, it would be a great time for you to answer some of those food questions to help the kids get to know you a little bit. Oh, this is fun. So, I like this. So, just a couple, just a couple. We don't have a lot of time because uh, we've got you know great things on this podcast, including an interview with the wonderful Jonathan Rogers. We are also going to be doing Riddle Time at the end. And before that, we have to do our conversation on chapters 11 and 12 of The Railway Children. Man, that seems like a lot. We sure do a lot. I know. These episodes are very long. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're, but we're, you know, we have, it's a very aspirational show. Yeah. And we're professionals? <laughs> I, I, who, whoever claimed that? <laughs> so... 
we're, we're here to have a good time and hopefully, you know, bring some joy to some kids' lives. So let's talk about you for a little bit. Well, first, I think we should talk about our sponsor. You want to do that now or you want to do that? Okay, well, let's do that now then. That's, that's a good idea. But then you're going to be on the spot because, you know, I have to put you on the spot to see if you can figure out to answer, you know, about more countries. Do you remember more countries? Because oh, remember, our sponsor is in 47 countries. Yes. Yeah, that's fine. Okay. Let's see how many countries you can name. Can you name what five countries come to your mind just right off the bat? Okay. No so, countries you've ever lived in. Listen, I've been studying okay. for this show. And uh, okay. I've come up with seven more. Seven more very, countries. I'm very proud of myself. You ready? By you came up with, do you mean you invented seven more countries or you just learned seven more countries? I learned seven more. Got it. Okay. Okay, ready? Yes. Watch this. North okay. America, South America, Africa, Europe, uh, Asia, uh, Australia, Gra- Antarctica. Graham. Boom. Gra- seven, seven more. Gra- Graham. Yeah. I, um, it's your birthday, so I want to be sensitive about how I say this. What, did I pronounce countries. one wrong? Those aren't countries. Uh, yeah, I looked at the globe, and they're uh, not oceans. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. I don't want to, I don't, I'm trying to be sensitive because it's your birthday. I'm trying not to hurt your feelings. Um, those are con- continents. Then, you know, those, oh, like those big are like, things. And then inside the big things are the smaller things. So what, what I'm hearing you say is I just named seven super countries. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Let's think about it like a pie. Mega so, countries. So each of those continents is like a pie, but you know how, when you eat a pie, you cut it into multiple pieces and then you eat the pieces as individual slices. Yes. It's like that with a country. So there's a, each continent being a pie has a slice within it being a country. See, here's where your metaphor breaks down because the pie is a pie and the slice of pie is still a pie. You might be overthinking the fact <laughs> that you just got it wrong and now you're trying to be defensive. <laughs> All right, let's move on. We'll, oh, okay. Let's talk about our sponsor. Yeah, so... Graham, I got another question for you. Okay. I think you can get this one right. Graham, have you ever known anybody who was interested in doing homeschooling before? Anybody at all? Loads of people. Okay. So you know loads of people. Do you think any of those loads of people were not sure where to start when they were homeschooling? Uh, Loads of those people. (laughs) Loads of the loads? Yes. Well, there might be a solution for that. And those people who provide the solution to that happen to be the sponsor here on season one of Withywindle. Because for the last 23 years and in over 47 countries, including all the countries that are in North America, Classical Conversations has been equipping parents like you, such as you, Graham, should you want to homeschool, with the tools and confidence to teach their kids at home, training them to succeed in today's changing world. Their proven model will connect your family with a local Christian community so you can be encouraged, inspired, and equipped in your homeschool journey. Learn why Classical Conversations is the world's leader in home education and sign up for a free online info meeting at classicalconversations.com slash withywindle. Did you hear that? It's a free online info meeting. And who doesn't like free stuff? Do you think like we're in all stuff. seven mega countries, i.e. continents? I would guess, well, we know they're in North America. I think they're in South America. I believe I, they're in Australia. They're in Europe. So that only leaves Estonia. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, and Antarctica. I would, I would wager, the one that I would have doubts about is Antarctica. Mm-hmm. 
That's the only one I'm not sure about, but we might need to do some research on that. Maybe someone can hit us up if, if, if you know about any classical conversations uh, groups happening in Antarctica. We want to know, well, we want to know the people who live in Antarctica. So again, if you want to learn more, you can head over to classicalconversations.com slash withywindle to uh, sign up for a free online meeting. 47 countries, 23 years. Those are pretty big numbers. No, ask me the questions you were going to ask me. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So Doritos or Cheetos, man? That's like the question we ask all of our, all of our guests. Uh, so um, most of the guests, I, I feel like, skew Doritos. It does seem that way. And they all skew, uh, they all seem to prefer the original cheesy ones. That is not, I do not like those. Mm. You, give me the Cool Ranch Blue Bag seven days a week. And if it's Cheetos, I do love Cheetos, but I want like the spicy ones, not yeah, the flaming red ones that hurt your mouth, but like the yeah. jalapeno, like the jalapeno ones. ones. Yeah. yeah. You know, you and I are going to be going on a mini trip this week. We may have to, um, we may have to do a little taste test between, between the, the, the Cool Ranch Doritos and the Jalapeno Cheetos, and then decide once and for all, which one's better. I, I love this idea. Okay, I think we should do that. Okay. And maybe we should eat them, like pour them into one bag afterwards Ooh. together and just eat them. But I, I'm in favor of that. We do a little experiment. We figure out which one we like the best and then we just combine them. I think that's a great idea. We could come up with a name called Combos, except that that's already been taken. <laughs> no free ads. So Graham, coffee or tea? I know you have, I've lived with you, so I know you like both. I like both. It's, I, I drink more coffee, but if I'm in the mood for tea, that's absolutely what I want. Um, and I like oolong tea and green tea and black tea. And I like it from India. I like it from China. I like it from Indonesia. Um, I just, I, I just like uh, leaves uh, steeped in water. Have you, have you ever tried tea from your backyard? You know, uh, no, I haven't had any like stinging nettle tea or um or magnolia branch, leaf or branch that fell off the tree tea no i haven't had any of that or grass you, clippings no you do have a lot of leaves in your yard though so maybe you should try to to make some homemade tea sometime yeah i'm not gonna do that what about antarctican tea that's what just snow that's been melted <laughs> of water pure water i guess so and boiled so are you a savory or a sweet guy in general you like savory food or sweet food See, I split, I split right down the middle on these questions. I, I like all this stuff, but if I'm snacking, it's, it's always sweet. Hmm. Um, I probably skew more that way. I still, my, my taste buds are still the same as when I was nine, basically. So. <laughs> that's, that's why you're perfect for this show. That's why I okay. had two pies today. <laughs> and, then the, and then the question, the last question that we asked the, the guest is cake or, or cookies? Uh, usually cake. Fair. But, but today, pie. But today, pie. Yeah. Well, this has been Get to Know Graham. Everybody's very excited to know this. Yeah. But they, because now they know what to send me, you know. As, <laughs> so. I'm attached to a pigeon. Yes. Well, Graham, we do have a great show today. We're going to discuss the railway children here in just a second. And uh, we're, then we're going to talk to Jonathan Rogers and do a new riddle time. So with that, let's dive right into our conversation about the railway children. Graham. Can you do a quick summary of these chapters? Again, they're chapters 11 and 12. We are getting near the end of this book. And these are big chapters as we kind of move towards the, uh, the, the resolution of the, of the story of Bobby and Phil. And... Do you mean big as in like very important or big as in long? I mean, 
just important because we're getting to the end and things are kind of like 11 in particular, some stuff happens. Yeah. We, we learned. They, they also seemed long. Like I felt like there was a lot of pages in these ones, but maybe I was just getting tired. Okay. Let's recap. So chapter 11. Oh, so uh, 10 leaves off on that cliffhanger where right. Bobby has seen something in the newspaper. And so in chapter 11, it starts out, she's very distraught. She doesn't, you know, that they're at tea and, and, you know, everybody's kind of acting normal except her. And so her brother and sister think they know that she's done something wrong and doesn't really want to talk about it in front of them um, because they can kind of just tell by the way she's acting that something's up. But they also are polite about it. They don't want to just, you know, ask her. So she goes uh, eventually uh, and pulls her mother aside and they go upstairs and she sh- tells her mother what they found out um, or what, what she found out in the newspaper. And now we finally discover what has been going on with their dad, which is, David, what is going on with the dad? He decided to go ride on the Pony Express. Nope. He became an astronaut. Nope. He had an appendectomy. He has been arrested. He might have had an appendectomy. It doesn't say. Um, True, true. He might have done all those things. Uh, I I was 0 for 3. He probably didn't go to space at the turn of the, you know, 20th century. That's true. I was confused about the time frames. So he has been arrested because the government thinks he's a spy because they found letters that seem to indicate that he's a spy. Selling secrets to the Russians and whatnot. Yes, in his desk. Mm. And so the mother is explaining um, to Bobby that most likely, well, no, they know somebody put those letters there. Because their father is not a spy. And quick, he's quick, been quick tip. arrested. Graham, if you ever decide to go into espionage, don't leave incriminating information in your desk. It's just... It's, Great tip. I, I'm gonna, I just suggest you keep all incriminating espionage-based information out of, out of view of people. It's probably for the best. You say espionage? Espionage, yeah. That's a good word. Related to spycraft. Spycraft. That's a good word, too. Um, so Bobby has then a good idea because the man on the train, the old man that they, that they befriended, has helped out in the past, specifically with the Russian man. She uh, decides to write him a letter and include the newspaper clipping of what has gone on with their father and see if he can provide them any sort of help. So she does that. And then immediately the chapter switches away from that. And we learn that there is going to be a paper chase. Did you know what a paper chase was before this chapter? I don't think I did. I don't think I did either because, and that's a phrase that like I've heard a lot, but I didn't realize it was like a very specific game that doesn't seem like anybody plays anymore, but they should because it sounds fun, but they probably should not around trains. (laughs) because they are watching the paper chase, which involves um, somebody pretending to be the rabbit or the hare, leaving little pieces of paper behind them and a bunch of children pretending to be hounds chasing the the hare, following this trail. But the hare decides to be clever and go through the train tunnel. And all the hounds follow the hare into the tunnel and they all come out again and the kids are watching this except one. One does not come out. And they realize this and, you know, they're kind of waiting around to see what's going to go on. But then Peter decides they need to go into action again. So this chapter has action again. And they go back into the tunnel. It's very dark. Girls are getting scared. 
They keep on going and they finally found, find the boy whose name is Jim in the tunnel. So chapter 11 ends with them finding him and he's, un, he's unconscious. And so they're, they are trying, they're, they're kind of rubbing him and, and trying to get him to wake up. And so it's, a, it's almost another cliffhanger. That and that's ends. true. And then in 12, he does wake up. They have a conversation with him. They try to take care of him. They get him kind of stable. And, and Bobby and Phil run off to get, no, Bobby stays. Peter yeah. and Phil run off to get help. And they go to a, what's that thing that, that what, the guy that, what's that guy's job? That they go wake. He, he's asleep. Uh, the, he's the signal man. The signal man for the railways. Box. In the signal box. And he goes up there. He's not supposed to be asleep. And in looking for help for Jim, they realize that the signal man is asleep. So they wake him up. And then he sends them on to a farm where they're able to get help and take young Jim to uh, Jim, the head, Jim the Hound to their house where their mother takes him in as well. And one of my favorite lines in the whole thing is where Bobby, uh, Phil says, um, they're, they're bringing a hound. Um, and the mom says, well, don't you think they should take him to the vet? <laughs> I yes. I She's like, not a real hound. <laughs> uh, yeah. And the signal man is very grateful. Like they kind of saved the day again in that respect, because if that signal man kept falling asleep and didn't get to turn all his levers and things, I mean, if he stayed asleep, there could have been another accident. Mm. And so they, they're out there they're getting to these places kind of in the nick of time. Um, Cause I think this is the fourth time that they've been out and about and saving the day. You know, if you're going to be a hero, I would learned a few things. If you're going to be a spy, keep your stuff secret. Mm-hmm. If you're going to play paper chase, don't do it around railways. Yep. And if you're going to be a hero, get there in the nick of time. Oh, good advice. I feel like we've learned three really important things for three different walks of life. Cause you never know what walk of life you're going to end up living. Yeah. I feel, I feel like if you're going to be a hero, you can get there ahead of time, but don't get there late. That's true. That's true. Getting there early and waiting around works less dramatic. Now. Yeah. It's not as exciting. Yeah. Right. But right. The, the signal man also tries to pay them. Like that's true. Them, or for them to be quiet and not tell yeah. people about it. And they're, they're very offended about this. So there's another thing. There's another kind of callback there to people trying to use money as, as thanks or reward mm-hmm. and people kind of rejecting it. Like, yeah. What, what? It's almost offensive. Yeah. We're, we're not doing this for the, for the, for the money. We're doing it because it's the right thing to do. And okay. So here's something interesting in chapter 11, I feel like the chapter split into two. We have this whole talk about um, the father, the father. And then we have this whole chase. And so mm-hmm. I was trying to think like as a theme, it's interesting. Yeah. The, the, why did they not get separated into two different chapters? Yeah. But like, is there, is there a connection between being chased like the rabbit being chased and the father being captured? Because well, it, it also seems like maybe the hare that was being chased by all these bad hounds has gotten away. Hmm, that's interesting. And then there, but the, the, the hound ends up trapped in the tunnel and that's almost like a prison. Huh? I don't know. It's, but the, I wondered if there was some connection there. I don't have an answer. It is interesting that she didn't just continue the previous chapter with the conversation between Bobby and their mother, where it reveals what happened. Because she could have done that and then had these two chapters, the second half of 11 and 12, be one chapter. Right. But she felt, she, she felt the need to have, to have these cliffhangers in there. 
Which I suppose does, you know, ramp up the drama a little bit, make you anticipate what's coming. There's also something interesting I was noticing as far as color goes. This is oh, about the fourth or fifth time um, the author has used red. And so it, it perked my ears. Hmm. It perked the portered my ears when, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, when the, when, when she's describing all the hounds, you know, chasing the hair, but one is wearing a red sweater or, or, or waistcoat hmm. or whatever he was wearing. And so immediately mm-hmm. I was like, this is interesting because every time red has come up before, it's been almost like a warning. Mm. And so like, like a stop sign. Yeah. And like, and something does happen to that one wearing red. Hmm. That's, that's true. And also when they go to the um, signalman's box, he has a red handkerchief. There could be something there. And in Canada, Mounties wear red jackets. Yeah. That's so they can stand out from the snow. <laughs> really? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I want that to I want that to be true so badly. Because <laughs> they're inevitably their horses are going to get stuck and they're just going to be sitting on a buried horse. Yeah. yeah. They're like yeah, they're like big flags. <laughs> <laughs> it's also stop, don't come into this mound of snow. You'll get trapped. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, double purposed. Yeah, exactly. So we're getting towards the end of the book. We got what two chapters left only. And what are you going to be looking forward to? Like, what are some questions that you have that you would love to love to get answered? Well, first off, I'm a little bit sad about this because I kind of don't want to say goodbye to th- this family. Mm. And do you know, did she write any sequels to this or was this the, just the only railway children book? I was l- just wondering the exact same thing. Cause and I would, I would I'm, like to, I would like to read some more about these, this family. Well, I, I did look that up actually. Cause I was wondering the same thing and it looks like as far as I could tell, there's not a series of books on them. I mean, E. Nesbitt, Edith Nesbitt wrote many books, but I don't think that there's a, it's not like the boxcar children or something like that. Okay. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, what am I going to be looking for in these final chapters? Well, I'm going to be looking for resolution because Mm. like you say, if there's not sequels to this, then I feel like this whole story has to wrap up. She's not going to leave us with a cliffhanger at the Mm. last chapter. So there's got to be some kind of resolution happening in the next two chapters. So I have a suspicion it has to do with the old man on the train coming through for them and finding some solution. Um, And I'm desperately hoping that their father gets freed. Mm, yeah, we got, I want to meet him. Yeah, we got, we, yeah. I mean, it's been a long time since chapter one where he just kind of was popping in for a minute. Popping in, then got popped. Pop, pop got popped. <laughs> a, lot, <laughs> a lot of popping. Yeah, it's, we've got to find out. We've got to see if he gets, becomes more of a character where we actually get to know him a little bit and do their... Um, do I, I want to know what happens with their home? Do, where, where do they go at the end? Do they like this place and decide oh, to stay? or do that, they go back to the city that they missed at first? That's a great question. I hadn't even considered that. I just always assumed they would go back home, but you're, I mean, they're falling in love with this and they seem to be building a community around yeah, the three chimneys. They've got all these, these friends now, whether Except it's the water or the old man or yeah. Well, true. 
Well, this has been uh, our conversation on the railway children, railway children talk. Before we get on to Jonathan Rogers, though, we do need to take a quick break because we need to remind people about classical conversations. Do you remember how many countries that was? We just got to do a quick little review. 74. Well, the numbers are correct, but they're in the wrong order. 47. Uh, They're working their way to 74. That's right. 47 countries, and it's been 23 years. So if you are interested in homeschooling, Classical Conversations is a great opportunity. It's a great option for equipping parents like you with the tools and confidence to teach your kids at home. You can partner with other homeschool parents and find your local community at classicalconversations.com slash withywindle. Again, that's classicalconversations.com slash withywindle. We are very grateful to them for uh, supporting the show and making it possible for you to hear conversations like the one you are about to hear with Jonathan Rogers. It is time to hear from the one and the only Jonathan Rogers. He's the author of The Terrible Speed of Mercy, which is a biography of Flannery O'Connor. It's a great book. Flannery O'Connor is a book that, you know, those of you who are kids, you probably haven't read her yet, but you will one day. But his books for you include the Wilder King trilogy, which is made up of The Bark of the Bog Owl, The Secret of the Swamp King, and The Way of the Wilder King. He has also written a book called The World According to Narnia, which is about the Chronicles of Narnia by C.S. Lewis, and also a biography of St. Patrick. You know, the Irish saint, St. Patrick, he's written, this. Jonathan Rogers has written a lot of stuff. He has spent most of his adult life in Nashville, Tennessee, where he and his wife, Lou Alice, are raising a house full of robustious children, according to his bio. Robustious children is, is a great phrase, and I feel like it applies also to the railway children and both of our homes. So without, with, without further ado, here's our conversation with Jonathan Rogers. Jonathan Rogers, thank you so much for joining us on the show. This is going to be a blast. It is my pleasure to be here. I'm so glad you invited me to be on. With, am I saying it right? Withy Wendell? Yeah, that's great. Withy Wendell? Withy Wendell? Not Withy Wendell. No, someone, I did have somebody tell, come to the shop, into the shop, and call it Withy Wendell, even though they were listening, had listened to the show on which we were calling it Withy Wendell. Okay, so, that's fine. You know, yeah, you're right. We're not going to be too, too judgmental about how people, you know, <laughs> what people refer, refer to the show as. We should be judgmental about what people refer to your book titles, though, as. Uh, yes. Because those are pretty locked in. Um, yeah, have been for quite some time. And, you know, we're big fans of your books. Our kids are big fan of your books. And so we wanted to, you know, we, you were like a high priority for us when we were planning out the show. So thank you for being here. Well, I'm glad to hear it. Thanks. We got a couple, we got a bunch of questions here from our audience, mm-hmm. young readers, you know, the mm-hmm. people who your books are geared towards. And then of course, we've got some of our own questions. There were even some questions from parents um, and some of them, we, may, we might even turn to some of those. But this first question is, is very important. It's the, maybe the most important question, at least in the minds of, of our listeners. This was originally asked by Devin back in episode one and we ask it of every single author. Are you ready? Yeah. Which do you prefer, Cheetos or Doritos? Uh, Doritos. Doritos. That's Are you a pretty a- easy one. I don't care anything about Cheetos. <laughs> Nothing? No no nostalgia for Cheetos? I have more nostalgia for Doritos. And, mm-hmm. you know, when I was little, there there was a, uh, it, it was kind of, I guess it was called taco flavor Doritos. I think it was yes. the original. And it was uh, brown and yellow. Yeah. And uh, boy, that brings, I, I've, I've seen some sort of retro throwback bag recently. It just brought back so many memories. I've seen that too. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah. So are you... Um, are you a regular, like just the regular nacho, whatever flavor? Are you the Cool Ranch, the blue ones? What are you? Yeah, I mean, and the truth is, I rarely eat these things, but but well, uh, right. I, I like this straight up. I mean, I don't mind the blue ones, but if I, uh, like I said, I, if, if if they still had, if I could still find the brown, the brown and yellow kind yeah. from the seventies, 
I would probably eat Doritos a lot, but there's, uh, there's yeah. probably a bag from the seventies somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I don't so. know if I would eat it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It'd be an interesting science experiment though. So overall, are you a savory or a sweet guy? Uh, much more savory than sweet. Mm. Coffee or tea? I drink uh, a lot more coffee than tea. Are you a, you have to drink coffee to survive the day person? Well, you know, I, I do, I, I drink coffee pretty much every day, but I, um, but I don't like to like post memes about it, about how much I love coffee. (laughs) That makes sense. That's yeah. You're squarely in, in, in a healthy relationship with coffee. (laughs) You may be right. I I don't think you're right. I think I drink too much, but at least I don't, you know, talk (laughs) about it. (laughs) That's right. Okay. And then coffee, uh, then cake or cookies. Uh, wow. That's a great question. Uh, my favorite cookies are my favorite thing, but there's a oh. lot of cake that I like better than a lot of cookies. Does that make sense? Like a, a chocolate stout cake, I think is fantastic. And that's better than most cookies, but, but we make some cookies around here that you take almonds and grind them into a flour. Okay. And then put about that much, uh, regular flour to okay. kind of hold it together yeah. and then some butter and a little bit of sugar and some cinnamon. Mm. And that is a fantastic cookie. Is it kind of snickerdoodle-ish? No. Okay. I, I don't even say that word. <laughs> oh, wow. All right. Uh, I mean, I don't mind the cookie, but but the the name is. Uh, I'm I'm trying to uh, maintain my dignity. Yeah. Oh, right. Right. So well, this maybe the wrong that. podcast for you. Come yeah, on, then. you're in trouble. <laughs> well, David, you've already offended our guest. I, I know. So that was fast. Uh, yeah, so, Jonathan, you know a little bit about this podcast or you've heard rumors about maybe yes. something um, that we require. We don't actually require. You can say no. Um, yeah. What are you going to do about it? Well, we'll look Call at you. you coward. Yeah. We'll look at you <laughs> okay. with one of those kind of death stares. Um, we want you to draw a, an image while we are uh, talking, oh, talking to you. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Got a multitask. All right. Sometimes the suggestions for what to draw are coming from the kids. Sometimes they're from oh. us. This one is from us. Okay. Jonathan, we want you to draw a bookstore troll. Okay. Wow, that was very confident. He's like, I got that. Yeah, I like this. That's easy. Yeah, sure. I mean, I I was pretty sure it was going to involve an alligator. But did you ask me something alligator related? He could fight one. Alligator would be too obvious. Yeah, right. Okay, well, I'll, I will I will get to work on that. He's been practicing his alligator sketches for weeks, though. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> right. well, all that wasted time. Yeah. Well, you could put him up on your website for sale, maybe. Yeah, yeah. okay, yeah. So bookstore troll, you know, he can be in whatever mood you want him to be in. He could be a helpful troll. He could be a destructive troll. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Ready, ready. But, but, but we believe you that you've got this. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> and with Quick that... Pause, I got to let my dog in now. All right, go ahead. <laughs> I think my dogs underestimated how hot it was out there. <laughs> yeah, it's probably like 110 degrees. We needed that break because we had to brainstorm something and we got it. So you wrote the Wilder King trilogy. That's right. The first book of that is called The Bark of the Bog Owl. Mm-hmm. That's right. And we know that you're an expert on bog owls, mm-hmm. but are you an expert on owls? Are you an owl expert in general? Uh, no, I, I specialize in bog owls. Perfect, because we have owl trivia for you. (laughs) No, we really do. So ready? Take take it away. Number one, what type of owl preys on the great gray owl? Is it A, the great horned owl, 
B, a snowy owl, or C, a barred owl? Uh, I'm going to have to say it has to be one of the bigger owls, I would think. A barred owl, I think, is small. I want to say a great horned owl. Uh, well, okay, so I th- uh, we might have just failed um, owl time. <laughs> owl time is officially because it doesn't look like we actually have answers to this. <laughs> you, you <didn't, laughs> even better, you didn't get the answer. Uh, okay, so I'm very good at like the first ninety percent of a project, but that last ten percent <laughs> is hard to accomplish. Let that be you know? a lesson to all the kids listening who want to have a podcast that involves owl. Time. Yeah, owl time. Okay, so uh, our next guest, we're, we'll get owl time okay, we'll in get, line. We're going to have owl time. Okay, so listeners... have a book about an owl? Yes. Oh, okay. Just okay. to redeem ourselves. Okay, okay, okay. so right. listeners out there, if you know what type of owl preys on the great gray owl, you need to email us and let us know. But are we going to... I feel like he's going to have a real sense of a lack of closure with, with, with this. All right, you, you do the next question. I'll look this up, <laughs> okay? Okay. okay. The next question. Hey, uh, this uh, bookstore troll, does it need to have clothes on? I mean, is nudity uh, allowed? It's oh, com- it's- um, is he, does he have a lot of fur? Do trolls have fur? I don't know. I don't know what he's drawing. You do. Listen, there are kids listening and going to see this image later. So you do whatever you think is best. You are, a, you are a successful published author. And who are we to tell you what to do with your own Very yeah. good. drawings? Okay. So the answer is A. You got it, you got it right. Through, through a logical process. Yeah. 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 Do we have a second question for Owl Time? Uh, we, I mean, we do, but I'll have to Google that answer too. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> but we do what, have I'll another question. How, uh, here's how this troll is going to work out. Okay. You work in a bookstore, David. And I you do. Know, so you know bookstore owners always wear aprons. Yeah, correct. Yeah. Mm. Like, you know, the bookstore apron. Right, yeah, yeah. And so yeah. this troll will be wearing a bookstore apron, mm. probably nothing else. That's, I think that's fine. Okay. That's All fine. Right. Yeah. I'm okay with that. Okay. The last yeah, thing I, I like do, that too. Since, since y'all are rocketing to the top of the juvenile podcast. Uh, yes. Yeah. List, Kids and family. Yep. Yeah. I don't want to do anything that would jeopardize that by having naked trolls. Thank <laughs> we, you. We appreciate that. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. But also it might be unrealistic to have the troll wear too many clothes. Right. So we've got to have some, we, we can't ask people to suspend their disbelief too extreme, mm-hmm. too, too, too extreme of a level. We have a couple of questions here from some listeners. And okay. one of the listeners that sent in a question weeks ago that I like to ask every author, his name is Aiden, actually. Okay. And he says, have you ever found yourself surprised by anything that happens in the books that you're writing? Do you think things would go one way, but then the writing you know, took you a different direction? Mm-hmm. And then he ends this by saying, can authors be surprised by their own stories? Yeah. So I've written four novels and only one ended the way I thought it was going to end. Hmm. You know, there was only one, one of those four novels did I at the beginning know how it was going to end. And it seems to be, and, and, you know, I, I, I think the, the ending that ended up in the final product was much better than the ending I had in mind. Hmm. And it may be that it was different in all four I can't remember. I, in the Bog Owl, everything from the cave scene to the end was not in the original manuscript. Hmm. It was a really short book. And the editor said, why don't you add some more? And I was like, I've been interested in caves, so I think I'll write the cave scene. <laughs> so you kind of let your imagination run wild a little bit and then figured out how to incorporate it into the story and then just kind of made it all work in revision? Is that how that works? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, no. I would say revision, for the most part, You know, by the time I get 
three quarters of the way through, then I know how this thing's going to end. Okay. And then I end it that way. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, like in the, in the Charlton's boy, there's a little detail at the end that I don't want to say too much about, but I just planted that, you know, early mentioned it twice earlier in the book and then it paid off at the end. Mm-hmm. And so that wasn't a matter of, I know this detail is going to be the key to the book. Mm-hmm. I just, you know, planted it earlier. Do you, do you like those surprises as they come? Is that a fun part of the writing oh, or yeah. is it? Yeah, because if you limit yourself, whether you're writing a story or writing an essay to what you know at the beginning, and if you if you lock in too much to, you know, I've got an idea of what I'm going to do, you're really not leaving yourself open to, to the good stuff. Hmm. Um, you know, and it, and it feels, it does feel like a grace when you are getting beyond uh, your own storytelling capabilities and, and your own ability to sort of sort things out. And so, you know, when I teach writing, I, I try to encourage people to find ways to not get too locked into what they think they're saying at the beginning. Hmm. Uh, so, yeah, I love that part. And, and um, my friend Doug McKelvey says when he's writing a story, he just writes until the characters do something to surprise him. And then he knows that now the story has come alive and he's ready to. to I mean, and, and I don't want to get too woo woo about that. You know, I mean, yeah. it, it's it's not it's not especially mystical. I don't think it's just kind of, you open up a, a part of your brain, you know, the, the, the conscious part of your brain is a relatively small part of your brain. Yeah. Hmm. That, that's really interesting. It's, we could probably have a whole podcast on just on that question. Yeah, for sure. There's some correlation here. Cause I, I work in, you know, I do design and creative mm-hmm. things and I get stuck all the time and I have to go just lay down. And sometimes mm-hmm. people are like, what are you doing? And I'm like, well, I'm, I'm actually still working. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm just like either designing in my head or I'm trying to like actually clear my brain or, or I just go do something else completely. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then come back to it. Cause you know, you can keep banging your head against something or you can leave it alone and let it kind of marinate, I guess, or mm-hmm. I'm working on yeah. a story right now and I kept running into this sense in two different parts where I thought there's, there's something, there's a connection that's not being made for the reader. It feels like it's, it's not, there's something that's not happening here. Like there's a mm-hmm. gap that I'm leaving out, but I couldn't put my finger on what it was. And so I, you know, you just, I kind of put it away. I went and read, took a walk and some, and then I just kind of let my imagination go and then you come back. And I think, and I was able to say, oh, okay, that's the question I actually need to answer yeah. through the action. And sometimes it's just this mystery of, you can't always know when that's going to happen for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, does that is that ever scary for you? Say you have a scary, deadline or something. Said? Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, I mean, at this point in my life, I I've seen it happen enough. Yeah, that the good stuff eventually comes. That I'm not. It's not quite as scary. Yeah, you just know that's kind of how the process works. Yeah, that's right. Well, Graham, you have a question. Uh, so uh, this question comes from William. He's twelve. And he's asking, did you base these books, uh, Wilder King Trilogy, uh, on a real place? They seem a lot like the American South. Yeah, uh, there is nothing original in in terms Mm -hmm. of setting or anything else, really, in the the Wilder King series. It's just a matter of putting things together that have never been put together before. But every, every outdoor place in the Wilder King Trilogy, I could take you and say, this is the place that I had in mind when I wrote that, you know, and it's, uh, you know, there's, there's different kinds of swamps and and all those places are in Georgia. Um, 
And, you know, there's there's two different kinds of swamps, at least two different kinds of swamps in Georgia. And, but you know, the, the Fiji Fen kind of swamp is just like the, the Okefenokee, which is basically an inland lake. And then there's the floodplain swamps. Hmm. And we got some of those and some of the, you know, some of the Fiji Fen type swamps. And yeah, it's all, you know, the, the, uh, there's a, a canyon, what's it called? In the, in the third book, Sinking Canyons is just a fictionalized, lightly fictionalized version of Providence Canyon in Georgia. And uh, the, the caves are, well, okay, I said the, I said everything's in Georgia, that, that, that's based on the uh, Florida caverns in Mariana, Florida. Mm. So he was yeah, right. Every, when... every spot in there, the, the Magnolia jumble uh, in um, the second book, but there's a, there's a Magnolia, a stand of Magnolia trees on my father-in-law's, my in-law's farm in South Georgia. That, mm. That's where that is. So William was right in the instinct that it was the American South. William is a, a little genius, apparently. <laughs> so this one is, this question's related. It's from Hudson. He's 10. Why did you choose to set your stories on an island? I don't remember. Here's <laughs> <laughs> the subconscious part. <laughs> yeah, right. I think it had something to do with the idea that because they were sort of, you had the, um, the Perthans, the the big you know continental power that they were sort of getting away from, I thought they needed to cross a sea to get away. I, I think mm. it had something to do with that. It's been a you know it's been a long time since I wrote that book. It was almost twenty years ago that I wrote the Bog Out, and so um, I think it had something to do with w- wanting to get a little more physical distance from the continental power of the Perthans, and also wanted the Fiji folks to be completely cut off from any civilizing influence. Um, and so I think that's what, what that was about. And if you look at that map on, you know, there's a map on the end papers of the island and it just looks like the Southern half of Georgia. It's, you know, the, the rivers match up with Georgia and the, and the Fiji Fen Swamp is where the Okefenokee is, all that kind of stuff. So you're giving different, some like character names and places and things like that in the stories. Um, for people who have not, read these books before. Mm-hmm. Can you tell them a little bit about uh, why you, the first book is called The Bark of the Bog Owl and maybe help them get a sense of what the stories are like? Yeah, it's called The Bark of the Bog Owl because all this, this the, the um, I mean, I didn't even know this language at the time, but the inciting event, the, the thing that, that sets all the action in motion is um, when our main character, Aiden, hears the the bark of the bog, you know, he, he hears this this critter making a noise in the woods, and it's kind of a you know it's kind of the call of the wild that calls him to something uh, different beyond his his uh, civilized life, and so that the bark of the bog owl sets into motion this you know he, he ends up meeting some wild swamp people called the Fiji folks, and um, it's in that process that he starts to live out a um, a calling in his life that. Um, that he didn't know was his. Hmm. Well, Jen, Jenny wants to know if you can provide any coaching for parents on how to do the bog owl bark. Yeah. So, so say like, I'm reading it out loud to my kids. How do I go about doing this? Yeah. So it's three parts. Okay. Ooh, you taking notes, first David? The part is kind of a uh, monkey-ish kind of like that. Okay. <laughs> okay. And then, uh, my dog likes this. Woo! No, no, that's, that's the end. Ha! It's been a while since I've done the bark of the bog owl. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. And then it's kind of a howl, kind of a, a houndy kind of howl. Okay. And here comes the dogs. Here comes the dog. 
And then the last part is kind of that's that that's where uh, you, you you either earn your money or you don't. Is no. at the end. Yeah. It involves shaking and letting your jowls kind of go back. <laughs> so you go like that, like, okay. kind of like a turkey. So it's ha ha ha. Woo, that's amazing. Yeah. And so I um I was at my yard last summer and there was an owl doing that very sound. That thing. Huh. And I was so surprised because I thought I had somehow, you know, made it up or something. But I, I think I must have uh you I guess I was listening to owl calls in the on the on the internets or something and heard that. And I guess that's where I where I got it from because of the parents. There really is so, no have you ever done the the bog owl bark outside and and anything's responded? <laughs> uh, I need to make up some big lie about that, but you just, but you snuck up on me, and so I, I, or maybe <laughs> maybe <laughs> just a neighbor, maybe just a neighbor. <laughs> yeah, some of the Man. some of the cut that out. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> so uh, Jack has a question. You've you've written four books in that world. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's the three in the main trilogy, and then. What's, oh shoot! What's the fourth one? Uh, Charlatan's boy. Charlatan's boy. Charlatan's yeah, yeah. boy. Yeah. Just drew a blank right when you know, and that's mm. maybe my favorite of the four. Honestly, uh, personally, um, are you going to write more books uh, from the Wilder King series and in that world? This is Jack. He uh, he wants to know that. Yeah. He says, if you do, will it have original characters or new characters? If mm. the, the the next uh, one I plan to do, it's set in the the Charlatan boy world. Okay. Know, which is the same world, but you know, it, it, it will have overlapping characters for yeah, sure. Yeah. 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 Lot, lots of overlapping characters. So Ian, he wants to know if you consider these books to be fantasy. I do only because there's no other category for them. I mean, you know, fantasy is such a, such a broad category, but there's no, you know, wizards or dragons or, you know, it, it, one sort of uh, important part of the, uh, maybe say the ethos of, of those books is uh, being interested in identifying some of the fantastical nature of the world where we actually live. Right. Hmm. And so instead of dragons, there's alligators because an alligator is a whole lot like a dragon. Mm-hmm. And, um, and the feature, you know, instead of having goblins or store trolls or, or, you know, elves, the wild swamp people are just, they're just wild swamp people, you know, and I, I thought uh, I, I knew some pretty swampy people growing up. <laughs> I thought that's they're they're fantastical enough without, yeah. you know, without needing. Uh, and they're still was, kind of I was going to put a goblin in book two, a swamp goblin. And my wife's like, are you sure you need a swamp goblin? You already got alligators and you've got, <laughs> you know, Fiji folks. And, can, can we recommend a creature? Yeah. Uh, what about a bookstore troll? Uh, yeah, okay. Yeah. Maybe fit a bookstore troll in. I feel like, you know, that could be a charlatan's boy type. Speaking of which, how's that drawing going? Uh, I'm crushing it. You're good. How about instead of him putting a bookstore troll in his next book, he just takes the one from your actual bookstore and gets it out of here. That, yeah, and it can fun. go live with him. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> could you just take it with you to the to Tennessee? Yeah. Oh, he said yes. <laughs> he did. Uh, yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. Oh, we'll get, we can get that in right. Uh, Olivia and Eleanor ask, what is a ductator? And then Madison says, what would you need to squeeze a ductator? Uh, I'll start with the second question. <laughs> to squeeze a ductator, all you need is a strong pair of hands. Mm. And a ductator is a, a tuber of some kind that grows in, the, in swampy places. Um, it's a real thing. It's, it's, uh, I've never eaten one, but it's a so starchy, kind of, 
Kind of like a potato? Kind of like a potato or, or a, um, I think it maybe is related to, is there such thing as a, as a tuber called a yucca? A Y-U-C-C-A? And a, yeah. yeah a like, yucca plant. Yeah. And I think it pr- yeah. produces a tuber of something. Anyway, it's, it's, yeah. a, it's a thing that swamp people have been known to eat, especially like the Creek Indians from the, uh, from the American South, I think eight, mm. eight. I don't know what they called it, but it came to be called the duck potato or the duck tater. Do you think we should offer some context on why this question is here? Or should we just let people read the books and find out? I think they need to find out. I agree. Yeah, I agree. Hey, read. Uh, and, and I think you squeeze them to get the moisture out. So you squeeze the duck tater okay. to get the moisture out. I, uh, I, I got to say, um, when we were talking earlier about all these snacks and savory stuff, and it's mid-afternoon, I'm getting hungry. Yeah. And now you're talking about squeezing swamp potatoes. I, no. I don't feel hungry anymore. <laughs> Do you not? <laughs> I'm sure they're delicious. I would try one. Yeah, sure. I would too. I've never never had the pleasure. We have a question here from <laughs> Juliana. Who, Juliana, Juliana, one of those two. She's 11 and she says, when will you and Andrew Peterson be teaming up to write the ultimate epic fantasy together? And of course, Andrew Peterson was on episode two of this podcast. Uh-huh. You know, I, I guess whenever we uh, heal our bitter rift. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. A kind of uh, Tolkien Lewis type rift. The, the, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm surprised you asked this because Jonathan specifically said, don't bring up the incident with well, I Andrew Peterson. Up, I didn't bring up the don't incident. Don't bring up Andrew Peterson. I just brought up the rift. I didn't bring up the incident that was the inciting action, in, you know, for the rift. <clears throat> So you're saying uh, soon? Might, maybe maybe we ought to say that we're making all this up. Yeah, right. yes, yes, we yes, probably should. Yes. yes, yes. There may be some literal-minded listeners. Yeah, this is all a joke. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Jennifer wants to know if you've ever had a pet alligator or crocodile or other swamp-type creature. Well, that Actually, was the one I was going to ask. Some. It was Jennifer posted it on behalf of her daughter Lily, who is twelve. Uh-huh. Uh huh. No. I had a. I, I, I did catch an enormous alligator uh, snapping turtle. Uh, a few years ago in the, in the Creek near my house. And I'm so, you know, I picked it up by the tail, so proud of it. I took a picture of it, sent it to one of my uh, friends who's, uh, you know, interested in outdoorsy things, you know, and, and he says, uh, do you realize that was a, probably an 80 year old turtle that you're, you know, holding up by the tail and grinning like a monkey and you know, <laughs> deserve more respect than I was like, you know what, you're right. And so I, I felt bad for, for, for uh, not showing the 80-year-old yeah. turtle any more respect than that. There was a, uh, you know, I didn't really, um, I never even saw an alligator until I was growing. I mean, I guess I, I saw an alligator in the zoo, and I, I saw yeah. alligators in the Okanokee Swamp, but I never saw one really, you know, like around where I lived until I was about grown. And But I what I did, there was a fish market in my hometown that had a little um, – big aquarium type thing or cage or something. And it had an alligator that was missing a foot and part of its tail. Oh, wow. And I would go look at that alligator every time we went to buy fish at the fish market. Huh. But I can hardly claim that as my pet. <laughs> Sounds like you would have adopted him though. <laughs> That's right. I'm still thinking about that depression era turtle <laughs> yeah. that, that survived multiple world yep. wars. Two multiple world wars, <laughs> two great I don't recessions. think it was like drafted or anything. I think, I think it was here. Well, I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't think it saw action. Well, I mean, technically, we don't really know what was going on. But it finally saw service. action when you wandered by <laughs> yeah, and right. picked it up. Okay, so owl time earlier. Yeah. I, maybe not a big hit. <laughs> so now we're moving on. To royalty time, <laughs> royalty. Oh, okay. okay, so so Wilder King, uh, Wilder King trilogy. So, if you could 
have dinner with three kings, who would they be? And they can't be the three kings of Orient yeah. R. Okay. That's too easy. All right. You can have, so, you have, so he can have dinner with any three kings. Who is he choosing? Yeah. Real or fictional? Okay. Alive. Martin or- Luther King. Okay. Hey. Probably BB King. <laughs> Going and, 20th century here. Uh, I think King David for sure. Wow. Okay, so and, and since King David and BB King are both musicians who play stringed mm-hmm. instruments, I think they would enjoy one another. That is so good. Yeah. So, so we had a question actually about King David because uh, this is from Ezra, and he wants to know why you chose to go with something of a retelling of the story of David, particularly in the first book, David and Jonathan, in yeah. the first book in the trilogy. Why, why did you kind of use that as your inspiration? Um, well, I, I was uh, at, a, at a very much of a transitional point in my life trying to decide kind of what I was going to do next with myself and went down to Florida to visit friends in Orlando. And um, one friend had a collection of sermons on cassette tape by Eugene Peterson about the life of David. And those sermons became uh, his book, Leap Over a Wall. Mm. And so I was listening to these sermons about King David or, you know, David, who's part of the time a king, part of the time not a king yet. I also went canoeing at uh, Wakaiwa Springs, if I'm saying that right, and saw all these alligators and swamp critters and all that kind of stuff. And so those two, that sort of mashed up together. Um, the the David, because the David story, and, and by the way, all three books, it's not just the first one, all three are, are very, very much inspired by the David story. But, you know, all the great adventure stories occur in the David story. There's the giant killing, you know, there is the Robin Hood type, you know, we're outlaws running away from the, from the king. And, and then there's just the quest story where Mm -hmm. Saul sends him out on an impossible quest to, you know, kill what, 400 Palestinians, uh, good grief, Philistines. And, uh, and those three stories are kind of, you know, book one is the giant killing book two is the impossible quest Hmm. And book three is the Robin Hood story. Hmm. And it's felt like there was so much narrative possibility in the David story. And then you throw in the Fiji folks and suddenly, you know, yeah. it's, it, it's up uh, between the, the swamp and the, and the, the David story. I felt like there was a lot of interesting things to do hmm. with that story. And it all kind of came out of that trip to, to Florida. I, I sat down, got back from the, from the canoe trip and sat down at a bagel shop and, and sketched out all three books of the Wilder King trilogy. And came home and started writing it. So when you do something like that, and the inspiration is fairly clear, like, you know, readers who know the story will at least sense, oh, this is, seems very familiar. Did you find yourself wanting to make that allusion clear, that similarity to the Bible story clear? Or did you just kind of like... You know, it, it, it's actually funny. Try to hide uh, it? Yeah, the, the more I sort of turn myself loose from the David story, I mean, you know, like I said... A lot of people don't even they don't even pick up on that books two and three are inspired by David's story too, right? You know, as well as book one. Right. Uh, the more I uh, sort of felt freedom not to to follow that story too closely, the more I enjoy that story. The more I the more I like the story, really. And so I don't I wouldn't say I was consciously hiding the influence 
of the David story in the in books two and three, but I was definitely felt very free to to kind of say, okay, this is you know. Aiden's going out on an impossible, the king has sent him out on an impossible quest, just like Saul did to, to David, but I'm not going to feel obliged to be any more, you know, follow that any, any more closely than that. Hmm. Well, we're, we're about ready to, to play a balderdash game with you. <laughs> okay. But, but before we do, yeah. do you know what time it is? Uh, quarter till. No, it is owl time. Great. All right, we're back. I've, I've got a question and an answer. You, and you actually got the answer. Okay, all right. Which species can sound off at up to 160 hoots per minute? That's HPM. <laughs> uh, the Western Screech Owl. That's A. B, Burrowing Owl. C, Northern Saw Wet Owl. Huh, okay. I... I'm going to go with B, the burrowing owl, because if I remember correctly, never mind. I don't have a good reason for it. <laughs> I, I just think burrowing. I, I think a burrowing owl is kind of going, you know, kind of like real quickly, having very fast. I don't know yeah. why I'm giving you a, a reasoning here because you're about to to tell me if I was right or wrong, and maybe I should wait till I was right to give you my reasoning. <laughs> It is a good defense, but the answer is the northern saw wet owl. Huh. You can't just make up owls, Graham. <laughs> <laughs> Who says? <laughs> I'm sure the burrowing owl has maybe like 120 HPM. <laughs> you may be right. Like you're, you're probably right that it, it, it can hoot very fast, but not like yeah. the saw wet. <laughs> That's true. So before we get to our word of the week... Could we see a little preview of the where the where the illustration yeah, stands? Yeah, it's it's yeah, sure. Can you see that? Ooh, <laughs> oh, he. Oh, what what kind of expression would you say he has or she? Um, it's a cheerful expression. Yeah, I would say yeah. It's cheerful, yeah. Is he? Well, I mean, is he cheerfully robbing the bookstore of the books, or is he cheerfully putting them well, up on the shelf? If he's robbing it, the cart and the apron are both great camouflage. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. So, that's all. Yeah. yeah, up in your bookstore, that's all I see all, all day. Carts and carts, aprons. Carts and aprons. Exactly right. In fact, if you come in as a customer, you are for you have to put an apron on. Yeah. Well, Jonathan, I think that looks pretty great. It does. Thank you. Well, okay. So we're going to turn to this week's word of the week, which means that we need to turn to our uh, our our word of the week printer. Yes. And Graham, we got to turn to you. Okay. A little embarrassed. Um, what happened? What happened this week? Well, do you remember last week? Took it to the beach, yeah. tried to give it a nice time, yep, ended yep. up full of sand, right? right. So I I didn't want to clean it. Um, so I gave it to the, the the bookstore troll to kind of take care of that. Well, he's occasionally helpful. But he um he took it, he did take it, but he then he slammed the door and laughed, and I haven't gotten it back. So you're saying we don't have a word of the week printer? Do you need me to go get it? I've been afraid to do it. You know what? I'm just going to choose a word of the week myself this time because no, I'll go get it. Okay, fine. Go. Okay, get it. all right. Go I'm get going. It. All right. You're back. I'm back. You look a little worse for the wear. Yep. He's he got uh, and the, frankly, so does the printer. You gave him the printer to fix it. And then he comes back, and both of you look worse than when you went there. 
Well, let's just fire it up and see. Right, let's it's see. got right. green slime on it. Okay. But all right, press the button. See, it 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 works kind perf- not perfectly, but okay. It did. It did it spit, spit out, out a, word. a word. All right, so okay. we have our word. All right, so Jonathan Graham, are you ready to hear this week's word of the week? Yes. Okay. This week's word of the week is zerts. X E R T Z. Zert. I'm assuming it's zerts. Exerts, but it's X E R T Z. You have starting now a couple of minutes to write down what you think that word means. All right, and we are back with our definitions for this week's word of the week. Once again, that word is Zertz, spelled X-E-R-T-Z. Graham Pittman, you, as is our tradition, are up first. Always. So I wonder if we all went the same route. I'm not sure. It sounds to me like an exclamation. So I said, it's an exclamation of resignation and frustration. Like, when you have a particularly difficult task ahead of you, kind of similar to shucks, but much stronger. Like, an example. Oh, Zertz, the troll stole the printer again. Mm. Uh, Okay. Technically, he didn't steal it. I gave it to him, but you you get the drift. Oh, Zertz, he didn't give it back. I think we may need to incorporate that definition into the show in the future. Yeah, but I'm... Fairly confident I got the right answer. How, like, out of a scale of zero to 10? At least a 10, yeah. yeah. Okay. All right, well, um, I think that a Zertz is an instrument played by swamp dwellers at festivals, holidays, and other forms of celebration, primarily meant to display a sense of nostalgic melancholy. Oh, yeah. I'm less confident now in my answer. <laughs> you made me less confident in mine, so I think we're pushing towards, uh, you know, an equilibrium here. <laughs> so we've got an exclamation... We've got a an instrument played by swamp dwellers. Jonathan Rogers, what do you think? Yeah, I feel like y'all were both guessing. Um, <laughs> but as it turns out, I, I already knew this word. It's, it's Zertz from the Persian. It's an underwater tuber related to the ductator that grows in the Tigris and Euphrates and their tributaries. Oh. He is very confident. And I feel like we should just not look it up and just go with that. Like for posterity... Any kid who ever listened to this show is now going to believe that that's what Zertz means. Or should I actually look it up? You, I would look it up. Okay. All right. So you're wasting your time. Anyway, go ahead. That's fine. That's cool. How are you going to feel if you're wrong, though? <laughs> so <laughs> I'm not sure my fragile ego. I, yeah. <laughs> I, I can stick four novels out into the world, plus multiple other books, <laughs> but I can't handle this. So it won't surprise anyone that all three of us are wrong. Hmm. Zertz I'm a little is surprised. a verb that means to gulp down quickly and greedily. Wow. It probably is not a word that is in, you know, the common common usage right now. Are you making up uh, words? It, you mean like gulping down ductator like tubers, right? And maybe that's maybe that's what I was thinking. That's yeah. I okay, I see the connection you're making there. So it's like you take that sprite and zerts it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I zertsed that uh, lemonade. Listen, man, I don't make up the definitions. Are I you do, sh- but yeah. I, not this one. This is the real one. <laughs> this is from an actual reputable source. And it ends in a Z. It ends in a Z. That's a really cool word. Zerts. Zerts. It, I like that. It, it begins with a Z, begins with an X. X, and ends in a Z, but starts with the sound of a Z. It's a great Scrabble word. <laughs> that, is, that would be a great <laughs> Scrabble word. Zerts. To gulp down quickly and greedily. Well, that has been this week's Word of the Week. And this has been our... 
interview of the week, Jonathan Rogers. Thank you so much for for joining us. Do you have any um, any advice for young writers out there? We always like to ask that. So let's make that our kind of last word. We've got lots of kids listening who want to be storytellers, who want to be writers, and are working hard at that. So what's yeah. the, what's one piece of advice you would give them? I think the the big piece of advice I like to give young writers is just pay attention and just be aware that there's stories floating around everywhere. Mm. And um, if you're just paying attention and writing down what you see, you'd be amazed at what sort of interesting things come out of that. Mm. And um, yeah, just pay attention. So do, you, do you just carry a notebook around with you and take note of things like that? Or how, how do you go about practice? Yeah, I, um, I do often carry around a notebook um, and I often write things down on scraps of paper, which I then often lose. But the amazing yeah. thing is how often those scraps of paper tend to pop back up at the right time. Hmm. So, you know, the fact that I wrote it down today doesn't mean I need it today. Yeah. But it, it it's almost like when that piece of paper pops up and I d- don't remember why I even wrote that down or what it means. I just, it was like a little something funny I heard somebody say and the context is gone. That's when I can really do something with it. Oh yeah. Yeah. So that's cool. Well, we, we can't let you leave before you challenge another writer, friend or colleague or enemy uh, to come (laughs) on this, to come on this show. Oh, there's somebody you want to call out that you think would have fun with us or is uh, on a future episode. Or deserves to be um, forced to, to deal with us. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 Uh, Let me think. Oh, I, I want y'all to have um, Randy Goodgame. Okay. Yeah. I hereby challenge Randall Goodgame. Is, is, there, is there a specific formulation I need to use? To throw down the gauntlet? Yeah. Like, but Randall Goodgame, consider yourself challenged. I don't know. I, you, you tell me. I've never, I've never done this podcast before. You're, you're the writer. I mean, why would we tell a writer how to say something cool? <laughs> I mean, I hereby challenge... That, that sounded pretty that sounded cool. Pretty good, okay. That sounded like a virtual glove slap. I hereby challenge Randall Goodgame to come on the Whitney Wendell podcast. Excellent. Well, we're going to have to pursue that now. And make we're going to hound him. Yeah, hound that. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Good. Mr. Rogers, thank you so much for coming on. This was a great time. We love My you. My pleasure. Boys. It was fun. We, uh, good to know you. Yeah, I agree. See you later. Thank See you. Well, thanks so much uh, to Jonathan Rogers for stopping by. That was mm-hmm. fascinating conversation. I still don't really want to eat a ductator, but maybe <laughs> I mean he sold it a little bit. I'm, I might try. But at least you know what a ductator is now. Yeah, at least I know. Yeah. So uh, it is real time. So, David, can you recap your riddle from last time? Yes. You know, I would love to do that because this is a fun one. There's a writer. She is, uh, she's working on a story or perhaps an essay. We, you know, writers write all kinds of things. And she decides that she needs to know the uh, spelling of a word. So she goes to the dictionary. She looks up the word in one dictionary and it's spelled wrong. So she goes to another dictionary and it's spelled wrong again. And she goes to a third dictionary. And as it turns out, it's spelled wrong there as well. So here's the question. What word is spelled wrong in every dictionary? What word is spelled wrong in every dictionary? Well, wrong, of course. The word wrong. Yeah, the word wrong. W-R-O-N-G is spelled wrong. It's spelled wrong. You're right. (laughs) (laughs) So that is the answer to last week's riddle. It is spelled wrong. Wrong is spelled wrong. I don't know how else it could be spelled. 
So there's really only one option for the word wrong. Even if it's spelled wrong, it's spelled wrong. And even if it's spelled right, it's spelled wrong. It's uh, it's that's is a very clever riddle. And we got lots of right answers. To this oh, riddle. okay. So they got it wrong. No, they got it right. But they got it wrong. Sure. <laughs> We're not going to keep doing this for the next five minutes. Um, okay. We, and we got an answer from a listener named Elijah who had two ideas. Okay. For this one. And they're great. Okay. okay. So he said, maybe she's British and she's using American spellings or hey, that's American dictionary and they look wrong to her. Like center and center. C-E-N-T-R-E. Yeah. C-E-N-T-E-R. Or color and color. C-O-L-O-U-R in the British and C-O-L-O-R in the American version. Or she's looking up her own name, (laughs) but it's an uncommon spelling and everyone else spells it differently. Like, like Graham? Yeah. Like, like my name. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Multiple ways to spell things. So I thought those answers were really clever. So good job, Elijah. Yeah. Bravo. So how we got, so, so we had, we did get some answers that were correct. Yes. Lots. So one of you who got that correct answer as always is, is going to be selected at random as our winner. So we will be in touch with you to, to, uh, let you know that you are the lucky, the lucky, uh, the lucky person who came out on top. Well, you didn't really come on top. You just kind of like randomly got chosen for being one of many who got it right. So either way, good job. I'd say that's coming out on top. It, yeah. Okay. Take the win. You know. I just didn't want people who don't get chosen to feel like they came out on the bottom. Yeah, but that's life, you know? That's true. That's true. And if there's nothing else besides about this podcast, we got to teach some hard knock lessons. That's right. Well, <laughs> you know, you just got to have your expectations set right. You know? True. Lot, true. When lots of people are entering a contest, just assume you're not going to win and then you're not as disappointed. And if you happen <laughs> to win, wow, you know? That's right. Incredible. And it's, then it's extra special. All right. Speaking of you- winning, speaking of extra special, you should. You have the next riddle, right? I've got the next one. Are you ready for it? I am so ready. I can't wait. Okay. So, imagine this. Okay. Okay? All right. Imagine you are in a room. Okay. This room has no door and no windows. I don't know how you got in the room without a door. Maybe, maybe you fell asleep and the room was put on top of you. I don't know. <laughs> Okay. But imagine, okay. imagine you're in this room. Uh-huh. No door, no window. You're looking around. Mm. You're desperate. How do I get out of this room? Okay. Okay. How will you get out of this room with no door and no windows? This is a very tricky riddle. Should I say it again? Sure. Okay. Imagine you are in a room. With no windows or doors, how will you get out? Graham, that is a, um, a, challenging, a challenging riddle. I'm going to have to think on this one extensively. I, I, think, I think some of these listeners out there are very smart and they will get it. I think so. I think, I think I'm going to have to put on my imagination cap and try to put myself in that room and see if I can, can think because this is a hard one, but not impossible. Not impossible. No. I feel like we can get the answer. I'm, I'm going to come up with the answer. I imagine you'll get it. I, I think I have one. Eat your way out. Eat your way? Eat. 
okay, that is an answer. It's not the one I'm looking for. Okay, all right. So that's not the one. Okay, well, you know, okay, I'm going to give it a week of, of, of imagining and thinking and, and then we're going to, we'll let the kids come up with the right answer because it's likely too hard for me. Yeah. Graham, this has been a good time. It has. Been another episode of Withy Wendell. It's, it's the birthday edition. That's right. That's the birthday edition. Happy birthday. Thank you. And if it's any of our listeners' birthday out there, uh, write me and let, let me know at podcasts at goldberrybooks.com. Which is, of course, the same place that you could also send any other kind of email or question that you might have. In fact, we should tell you that we've got one episode left after this, which is an interview. And that is a special guest that we'll tell you about later. Secret. And then after that, we're going to do a very special episode where it's a, it's a Q&A episode where we're going to answer your questions. So you can send Graham and I any question send us any question you want we'll put it in the list of questions that we're going to discuss and the whole episode is going to be dedicated towards your questions so if you have questions about reading or you know books that you love or anything like that let us know we'd love to uh chat about some of your ideas some of your questions some of your feedback so we're gonna have one more episode where we talk about the book and we do an interview and then we'll have a special bonus episode our ninth episode of season one in which we answer your questions. Yeah. Can I, that, can I, can I present some kind of sample questions for the sure, kids? Sure. Okay. So you could write in questions like this, like how, David and Graham, how are you guys so smart? Right. Uh, right. How are you so good at podcasting? <laughs> uh, how are you so cool? You know, questions <laughs> like that. Yeah. You know? Yes. Yes. You, you could, you could do that. You could also write in questions like, what does it feel like to be 72? <laughs> hey, uh, well, I lost five years. You said I was 77 before. So I don't know. It's hard. I mean, we've been friends a long time. It's hard to keep track of it. <laughs> so yeah, we'll do that. And then after that, that's going to be the end of season one. And we're going to take a little break and get season two ready for you. Um, we've had so much fun doing these podcasts for you. And we hope that you're enjoying listening. If you are, be honest, we'd love it if you'd leave a review. Make sure you subscribe. You click that subscribe button on whatever podcast app you use to listen to pods. And if that app allows for reviews, you know, click a few stars on there, preferably fifth stars. Five. Um, five stars. Yeah, five stars. And then uh, and, and if you want to type a little something in there to, you know, talk about the show, what you like about it, we appreciate that. You know, no pressure, no pressure. But if you're up for it, we'd appreciate it. Think of it as a birthday present to Graham. Yeah. Think- <laughs> <laughs> Well, like the signal man in chapter 12, if you leave us a review, we're not, uh, we're not going to be like the signal man. We're not going to try to pay you for your review. You know, if you're going to leave a review, it's, it's because you want to, you know. And, and also like the signal man, we're getting tired. It's the end of a long day. It is. And it's, it's about time for us to, to uh, go to bed. So with that, I think it's time to go. So for Graham Pittman, I'm David Kern. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Wendell. And until next time, happy reading, Bill. Goodbye.